Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. What do you think about that? I did a little dance for the first service. Uh, but uh, I hurt myself, so I can't do it this, this service. You know, I, it's her, I can't rag on shoes, but I like shoes. And uh, Tim always wears unique shoes, but I couldn't help but notice. Did you notice Tim's shoes today? They, they kind of look like the Easter Bunny and Gumby had a love child. They're just, they're just a little, they're cool. And my, mine are tennis ball remnants that I sewed together and made a pair of shoes. Uh, if you're wondering where I got these, I got these people. You can imagine these were on sale because nobody else wanted them. And I said, ooh, perfect. God made these just for me. So, <laughs> so we're having baptism today after this service. Uh, so stay with us. We're talking about uh, this series we're starting called Gospel Culture. And we're going to talk about today awoke, or not awoke, but woke. It's hard not to say that. Woke to awake. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Let's pray first. Father, we ask that you would uh, open our minds and our hearts today, that you would speak to us uh, and use us, all of us, to your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Sometimes the truth, and we always want to speak the truth in love, but sometimes... You can speak the truth even in love, and it's still offensive, right? Uh, Jesus said some offensive things. One of the things that Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He said, there's only one way to lasting, eternal salvation, and that's me. Every method before me was if you read the following verses, he says, they were all thieves and robbers. Every method after me until I return is all thieves and robbers. I am the only way. Now, that's offensive to people. It's even called in the scripture the rock of offense because people are offended that Jesus would claim to be the only way to God. And so only God can make that claim. Uh, sometimes just the word of God, just if you just read the word of God or someone can preach the word of God to you, and it should be offensive. I mean, if God is God, he ought to tell you some things that, you, that are beyond your thinking, right? So, so there's a lot of times when I read the Bible, there's things that, 
that I would say that, you know, that, that kind of hurts. Uh, my, you know, I'm, my, my flesh gets offended. You know, things like this, love your neighbor as yourself. How you doing? How you doing with that, by the way? Are you loving, loving your neighbor as yourself? Most of us aren't doing that really 100%. We might be, we might be doing better, but we all have room for improvement, right? Uh, how about to forgive the way I've been forgiven? Have you forgiven every, absolutely everyone in your life that has offended you? And have you forgiven them at the level of forgiveness that you received in Christ as Christ has forgiven you? Have you forgiven at that level? And that's incredible. Have you, have, you know, the Bible calls us to give our time, our resources, and our talent, and our treasure sacrificially the way Jesus did, which is to lay down our lives. Are we doing that? Sometimes, you know, all you can, you can just talk about taking up an offering. It offends some people. It can be offensive. To admit that I'm a sinner and say, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. That, that is offensive. And sometimes that offends me when, when God calls me out. The gospel culture, what we believe is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is offensive because we have to admit that we're sinners. And it's tough for all of us to do. And so God calls us in salvation to, tum to turn from our sins and humble ourselves before God and receive what Jesus did for us. In other words, we can't save ourselves. We have to receive what he did for us in his life, death, and resurrection. But even the word repent means to change directions. So it's acknowledging that I'm going the wrong way and that I need to change directions. And that's, that's hard for us as, sin, as, as humans. We don't like to admit that we're sinners. Throughout history, we have tried to develop systems to deal with our sin nature, to mitigate our sin nature, and to ease our guilt about our sin nature without having to deal with God. Our culture today is trying to find ways around God to live without God. So what we're talking about today is our culture is woke. What does that mean? Some of you may say, I'm not woke. And some of you would, might say, I don't even know what woke is. I don't know if I'm woke or not. And some of you might say, I'm sort of woke, but I'm a Christian, but I'm certainly not a racist. I'm not, certainly not about judging someone because of their skin color. Some of you might be woke and proud of it. Uh, so what does it mean to be woke? So I Googled it, and Google has the answer to everything. It's scary sometimes, the answer you get, but someone who is alert to injustice in society, especially racism. And I'd say, that's me. That's not like you. I'm alert to injustice in society, especially racism. I've got 30 years worth of sermons, more than that actually. I've got 40 plus years of sermons that I've preached against racism. And I can give you the list of people that left the church because I did. So, I'm alert to injustice and racism. Is there injustice in the world today? Absolutely there is. There is injustice in the world today. And you and I 
should want to see justice for everybody. And because we receive justice, we should want other people to receive ju justice. And if you don't want to see justice for everybody, then you need to ask God what's going on in your own heart. Micah 6, 8 says, this is what God requires of us. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Is there racism in the world today? Yes. And those of us who are Christ followers, we, we must be against racism. So I guess we're woke then. Well, not so fast. There's some things about wokeism. Here's what wokeism does. Wokeism has become sort of religion. It takes terms we're familiar with now. Uh, wokeism and being woke, the definition of woke and wokeism. Uh, it takes terms we're, for, we're familiar with and then re redefines them. What's racist to a woker uh, might not be racist to a Christ follower. Uh, what, what is social justice, justice to a woker might not be social justice to, a, to, a, to you and me. So what is wokeism? Wokeism is an authoritarian worldview that seeks to deconstruct the foundations of our Christian faith by overwhelmingly overpowering and overthrowing those who do not adhere to its ideology. We would, if we didn't have a word for it, we would see it as paganism. Or if we didn't, or just, just pride, just selfish pride. In other words, us, us, each of us wanting our own way to the detriment of anybody and everybody. It didn't matter just what we want. Two words, moral superiority based on race, gender, and sexual orientation. The moral superiority is I'm woke and you're not, or I'm more woker than you are. Uh, it means I'm tolerant. I'm tolerant because of someone's gender and because of someone's sexual orientation. I am tolerant to everyone who agrees with me. This is not exactly how the tolerance works. If you disagree with me, is intolerant and cannot be tolerated. So I, <laughs> I'm tolerant to everyone who agrees with me. And so if you don't agree with me, you're intolerant. So I can't agree with that. So I'm also intolerant. So there's a loop there you can't get out of. Wokeism is like a weed that grows in your yard. And we're, in, we're in spring. There's lots of weeds growing up. I, I have a lake house in Granbury. It is on a peninsula. Uh, there's water in the front of me, and about 100 yards behind me, there's water behind me. Everyone around me has had their St. Augustine yards for years and years and years, and there's hardly any weeds in their yards. So we went to the lake house this week because we needed to mow because there are ragweeds and dandelions growing in my yard like crazy. It was like you realize how far they had to fly to get there? <laughs> There's water in front of me for hundreds of yards. There's water behind me. There's not a bunch of weeds around me. But they found my yard. 
I didn't plant them. I didn't cultivate them. They just showed up, and that's the way weeds are. You don't have to plant. See, that's the law of the harvest. If you want good stuff, you got to plant it. And planting is not the end of the story. Don't you wish it was? Have you ever planted something and it died because you didn't take care of it? You see, because there, was a, there were steps beyond planting. You have, to, you have to plant it, and then you have to water it. And then also, these, these weeds, I don't care. You can round up them to death. And they're like, ha, 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 I'm coming back. Right? That's the way it is with wokeism. Everybody's being pressured to be woke. Corporations are being pressured to be woke. We've had this, you know, I guess it's a controversy about Bud Light and their foray into wokeism. Uh, so corporations, Nike, corp, like Nike, are being pressured into being woke. Our education system is being pressured to be woke. Uh, sports teams are woke. There was a controversy this last week about some hockey players that didn't want to wear certain jerseys because they were gay pride jerseys and they wouldn't wear those jerseys. So there was controversy about that. Even churches are woke. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says this. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the, to judge the living and the dead, and by the reappearing of his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. He says here, the time will come. That time is here. This is a seductive, satanic strategy. And it's much bigger than being Republican or being Democrat or being Libertarian. It's the enemy himself is attacking all these institutions, and especially the church. He is coming after you and me, and he's coming after the church, the body of Christ. He is trying to create a worldview that is anti-Christ. So how did we get here? How did this happen? Well, there's a couple of guys, Karl Marx, you may have heard of, Karl Marx, Frederick Nietzsche, Sigmund Freud. Here's a picture of Karl Marx, good-looking guy. <laughs> like the beard. Karl Marx was a God-hater. He was an atheist. He is the father of communism. You probably know that, Marxism, communism. Uh, he tried to tear down the foundations of Christianity at every turn. His whole thesis, known as the Communist Manifesto, is that the world is made up of two kinds of people, the oppressor and the oppressed. He wrote all of this while he breathed the free air of London while he was bankrolled by a wealthy mill factory owner and fellow revolutionary, Frederick Engels. Marx never had to work, and Marxism has never worked. There have been a, at least 110 million deaths because of communism, direct deaths, not secondary deaths like starvation, but primary deaths where they killed people that were not compliant. Marxism has never worked. We saw it completely fail in the Soviet Union. It's working in China, but 
if you were to ask the people in China if it's working, they would say no. Uh, it's not working in Cuba. It certainly is not working in Venezuela. Mark's primary goal was the abolition of, abolition of private property. He envisioned a world which no one owned anything. Everything was the property of the state. You got, it for, you got to use it, but it was not owned by you. Standing in the way of this utopia was religion, mostly Christianity. Marx taught, and I'm sure you heard this, that the religion is the opiate of the people. Uh, religion was like a drug that exploits the masses. It keeps them enslaved to illusions to the benefit of their oppressors. So the church is an oppressor. And, you know, I know I've been oppressing you quite a bit. And uh, which is, you know, when you think about it, it's like, really? I mean, am I trying to preserve power? I mean, exactly what power do I have over anybody's life? Everybody's, everybody shows up here voluntarily. If you don't show up, does a squad show up at the door and say, you're in trouble, buddy? I mean, I thought about that, but, but it, it doesn't happen. There is no power other than ideology. Next was the nuclear family. Marx and his benefactor, especially Engels, said the family turned women into chattel virtual pieces of property and their emancipation would come only when they were allowed to take place as workers in the public means of production words women had to be freed from the home and be able to go to work aren't you glad you got to go to work right that you got free of the house anybody want to go back but we can't go back because we we like to eat right most most women who work not every woman. Now, some women delight in a career, and it's wonderful that women can get to do what they want to do in their life. That's wonderful. And we, no one wants to, I don't think, wants to restrain women from being able to do what they want to do. I'm sure there are people somewhere. I'm, yes, there are. Islam wants to restrain women. Yes, everywhere. But, but in the Western world, we, you know, women do so many things better than men anyway. Can you imagine? Just think for a minute. If, if the world was just men, first of all, it wouldn't last very long, but <laughs> one generation, but it would just smell like a giant locker room. It would be horrible. We so desperately need women. But to think that women are trapped in families, uh, that, was the, that was the mentality, that women are trapped in families and they need to escape so that they can go to work. They can produce for the state. Uh, Equally important to Marx was the idea of objective truth, that truth, there's no such thing as objective truth. He said that truth is whatever the state determines it to, determines it to be. So in Soviet Russia, the, their main newspaper was Pravda, which means truth. So the state determined what truth was. So if you were happy, and the state said you were happy, by golly, you better be happy because they said you were. So truth was whatever the state determined it to be. We've kind of gone through, a, you know, with the COVID thing, we, there was a little struggle with the truth. Uh, what, what we were hearing wasn't always the truth from every outlet. People were bending the truth to their own ideology. And so there was a struggle. So that, but that's the reality. That's Marxism. It's just the truth, whatever the state needs the truth to be. 
Cultural Marxism, which is what we're dealing with today, what, what we see happening in America, was the idea of radical activist Rudy Duchesky. He described this advance of Marxism as the long march through institutions. He taught that Marxism could gain power by capturing the institutions of education, law, media, economics, entertainment, and the like. Does it look familiar? Thus, Marxism could advance incrementally, step by step, institution by institution, and law by law. So we've seen this. We've seen this incremental acceptance of, from some political parties, media, entertainment, education especially, not, not generally, you know, is that called primary education? But through colleges and universities. So that's the first is Marxism. And so those ideas have been proliferated. And then secondly is Sigmund Freud. Uh, Sigmund Freud, if you want to define Sigmund Freud, it's sex, 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 sex. Freud taught that all the struggles of the soul, every struggle of the soul, were due to the buildup of sexual energy. And all pleasure came from the release of that sexual energy. So Freud believed the goal should always be the sexual pleasure of the individual, free from any and all external restraint. No restraint. In fact, sexual pleasure is paramount, which is to say sexual pleasure is the most important thing. Because sex affords the strongest expression of satisfaction, it had to be exploited to bring about the, it had to be like there was like a shotgun wedding between Marxism and Freudism to bring about this Utopia, Marxist utopia. Christianity, with its rules and expectations, is believed to be oppressive because it hinders the self-expression of being able to have sex anywhere, anytime, with anyone. So, what's happened? Why are we just one click away from the sexualization of children? Things that would have been considered child abuse and you would go to jail for it, just a few years ago, are now celebrated. Why do public Larry, Larry's, public Larry's? <laughs> or private Larry's? Why do public libraries have drag queen shows for children? Hey, listen, if you wanna dress like a woman, I, go for it, buddy. Get you some high shoes, high heel shoes, you know. But what's the need of exposing that to children? Why the drive to expose that to children? Why does that need to be normalized? See, that's the goal. The goal is to normalize deviant behavior. I mean, why, why would elementary school libraries have pornographic books, books that are so graphic that when the parent who found them in the library tried to read them to show them to the school board that had allowed the books, they were kicked out of the meeting for being graphic about sex 
in a room filled with adults, but yet these books are already available to elementary age kids for them to see. They say children and infants are sexual from birth, and that is said to be their identity. So your identity is whatever you determine your sexual identity. So when combined with liberation principles, that if a child was exposed to graphic, what was considered graphic overt sexual material and was considered child abuse, now is enlightenment. And they're, they no longer call it pedophilia. It's you are minor attracted. So, sex is now politics. Carl Truman in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, says, society now intuitively associates sexual freedom with political freedom because the notion that in a very deep sense we're defined by our sexual desires is something that has penetrated all levels of our culture. Sexual liberation must triumph over freedom of speech and the teachings of the Bible and the church. In short, it must triumph over anything and everything standing in its way. Those who repress sexuality must be overthrown by the oppressed. Any kind of opposition is considered an attack against the liberated individual's personhood. Christianity is a tool of oppression that must be deconstructed. This is how we got from I disagree with you to I disagree with you and therefore you are evil. The progressive left now says they've even gone past the left. My ideas cannot be discussed independently from whom, who I am. Therefore, if you disagree with me, it is an attack against my personal liberty. If you do not affirm my sexual lifestyle, in other words, you can't just let them have their sexual lifestyle. You can't just say, like I said, hey, if that's what you want to do, that's your business. You can't just let it be. You have to affirm it. If you don't affirm it, their sexual lifestyle, you're an oppressor who is causing them psychological harm. That's, that's what's happened. So after the horrible shooting by a trans man at Covenant Presbyterian Church of six people, three children, three adults, there were calls for even more violence from many in the trans community. So I, I heard some of that, and, you know, and so I, I tried to go online and figure out what, what was going on. And so I wanted to get information from the trans side because, you know, it, in other words, you, I, I'm not looking up trans stuff on my computer, so that's not what I get when I go to my computer. So I deliberately was trying to find stuff from trans bloggers. So one of the things that I found was that they were, and I was just appalled. I was amazed. It said, one of, the, one of the first things is that Christian pastors are encouraging violence on trans people. I was thinking, what? I've never heard, I, I've, I've never heard anybody promoting violence on trans people in any way. But, but you have to understand what the belief system is. Violence is, if you say trans is wrong, it's considered to be violence against trans people. Disagreement is violence. It's not disagreement. 
It's violence. So that's so when they say, well, you're, you're being violent because you are disagreeing. You can't just disagree. So that's, that's what we're, we're struggling with. That's the reality. And this has, what has happened so rapidly? This has happened so rapidly because 20 years ago, we all got, we started getting cell phones. Now there are, there are something like 6.2 billion smartphones in the world. There's 8 billion people in the world. So that means that if you take out the children, there wouldn't be 6 billion people. So that means some of you have two phones, and you do, right? Some of you have two phones. You got a work phone and a not work phone. So that's the reality you're struggling with. So how did this happen? Well, we were able to multiply information so rapidly. It used to, it used to, take, it used to take virtually... For real change to take place, it used to take place every hundred years. And then it shortened and shortened. Now we're seeing transformational change take place daily because of the rapid influx and the ability. We all, if something can happen, we can look on our phones and see it happening and it's happening all the time. We're spending a lot of time on our phone and it's changing us. So it's changing how we think. It's how, how often can you be immersed in a lie and it not affect you? How, how often can you be immersed in deception? See, Satan's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he, the very best lies are lies that aren't obvious and contain some truth. That's the way he lies. He, does, he, he doesn't lie in such a way that you say, that's ridiculous. He lies in such a way that you think, oh, that's a good point. You know, when he said to Jesus, hey, he took him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said, you know, the Bible says, the Bi you know, you're in trouble when Satan's telling you the Bible says, because you better know the Bible better than he does. The Bible says, if you go ahead and throw yourself off, because the Bible says that, I'm paraphrasing, the Bible says God will catch you. Jesus says, no, you don't do that. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. You don't make God prove that he loves you. I'm going to jump off this building. God, if you love me, catch me. Splat. Doesn't work. So how do we live? What do we do? How do we live in this crazy world that we're living in where to just disagree with someone is hate? We, because we can't change how the world lives, right? I mean, we, can, we don't judge them. We don't, we don't you know, our, our message to the world is you need Jesus. Our message to the world is you need Jesus. But how do we deal with this? We have to adopt, first of all, we have to personally adopt a biblical worldview, a gospel culture for ourselves, regardless of what the world around us says or does. So we need to, we need to, we need to know what this Bible says. And not just know what it says, we need to, we need to have absorbed this. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's not crazy to think with the speed that things are happening that in five or ten years that they take this book away because it's destructive and divisive? 
mean, you know, I told you, they just arrested a woman in the U in UK for standing in front of a, an abortion clinic, not directly in front of it. She's like, from me to the sound booth, in front of a, she's within like 100 yards of an abortion clinic, and she's standing like this. And they arrested her for praying silently. She's not going, look at me, I'm praying silently. She's just not, and they arrested her. So you think, that's the UK. Crazy men are being, pastors are being arrested. People are being arrested and put in prison in Canada for not calling people by their right pronouns. So we, you better know this book. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We need to arm ourselves with a working knowledge of the Word of God so that we're not deceived by empty words. Number two, we need to personally draw a line in the sand between the old darkness and being light in the Lord. We need to draw a line in the sand. Therefore, don't be partakers with them, verse 7, for you were formerly darkness. It says you were in the darkness, but now you are in the light, in the Lord, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So we need to personally draw a line in the sand between the old darkness in our lives and being light in the Lord. We expose the darkness just by being the light. You don't have to say anything. So, but if you're going to be light, we need to live as light. He's saying we need to live in the light. So you may need to think about, there may be some things you need to stop because you're in the light. You're not in the darkness anymore. The things of the darkness, we need to lay down. We need to walk in the light as he is in the light. So there may be some things that you, you look at your life and say, you know, there's some things I need, to, I need to stop. There may be some things you need to stop watching. Tina and I are finding it increasingly difficult to find stuff that we can watch on television or watch on st streaming, and they get you because you'll start watching a show, and you think, man, I like this show. This is a pretty cool show. And you get maybe a season in. You can't wait for the second season to come out. And the second season comes out, and half the people are trans and half of them are gay. And they've changed, totally changed the, the parameters of the show. So that, so that, you know, where 1% or 2% of the actual population is represented by 20 or 30% of the cast of a show. It's crazy. So, you know, I'm not telling you, because... I don't want to be your oppressor. But you need, you need to learn what's pleasing to the Lord. And we need to ask ourselves, are we being indoctrinated? There's, there's some people that you need to limit your time with. Now, there's some people that give you life, being with the body of Christ, being with people who love God, 
And there's people that, that you need to minister to that are walking in darkness. But you don't want to be living in darkness. You, you can be a missionary and make a short foray into darkness, light in darkness, but your, your closest friends don't need to be people who are walking in darkness. Your closest friends need people who are walking in light. Doesn't mean that you're not going to love people in darkness and love people who are lost, love people who need Jesus. We need to love people in the kingdom of God. That's how people come to know Jesus is through the love of Christ. And we need to be loving people, telling them about, demonstrating really the love of Christ. But you may need to limit your time with those people because you need to be spending time with God's people. And if, I want to tell you, if you're watching this online, I want to tell you, you need to be here because there's, there's, a, there's an element of being with God's people that's important. It's okay. It's okay to watch online when you can't watch any other way. But if it's the only way you can watch, fine. That's great. But, if it's, but you really need to be with people. I don't know about you, but you know when we were in the, the pandemic, we did some meetings and some things by Zoom. And all I can tell, tell you about that is that that sucked. That's a horrible way to do meetings. I mean, I hate meetings anyway. You, so you take that dimension of a meeting and add that, and it made it horrible. And so there's, it, it's bringing a horrible, you know. We need people. We need relationship. We need one another. And so we need, you need to work at community. And it's hard. It's hard to get up and put on your pants and come to church. I know. I know. <laughs> going to preaching now sorry uh, it's more about what we do than what we say sometimes we you know we just don't we, we over we over talk we all do and we underdo we need to live in a way that it shines the light and if you'll live in a way that shines the light here's what will happen if you're a light at your workplace in your family in your world First Peter says this, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and don't be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. What is this saying? This is saying, if you'll live the Christian life in the power of the Holy Spirit out in the world, your light will show in the darkness. And people will ask you, what's up with you? What's going on? How come, how come this doesn't bother you? You're going through this thing. That we got this problem at work. You got this problem with your family. How come, you, how come you have peace? How come you're okay? And they will ask you what's up with you. And you'll get to say, can I tell you about how Jesus changed my life? You don't, you don't have to have the answer to every question in the world and about, you know, how what happened to the dinosaurs and, you know, and all of that stuff. You don't have to have, there's some, I, I don't, I still haven't had all my questions answered. I'm going to wait till I get to heaven. There's some things I don't know and I'll never know, but there's some things I'm really convinced of. One of those things is Jesus got a hold of my life. 
and he won't let me go. And so maybe we just need to share that with people. And if, if, if you'll be light in darkness, if you'll live light, if nobody's asking you that, then maybe your light's a little dim. If nobody's asked you in a while, hey, what's going on with you? We need to live light in such a way that it declares it to the world. Then he says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. The wise person doesn't stick their head in the sand and hope a problem goes away. They examine themselves, see, and then they examine the situation, and then they act accordingly. We need to be wise. We need to realize the days are evil. We're in an evil time. We need to prepare ourselves for it so the Lord can use us to rescue as many people as possible from the darkness into the light. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song and we'll end in prayer. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.